time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's dive in together. If you have electronic Bibles, paper Bibles, any kind of Bibles, and let's go after this. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you so enthusiastic to not only get to encounter you for ourselves, but to help other people encounter you as well. You're too good to be true. You're too good to keep quiet about. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us, Lord God, to be your hands and your feet to take the gospel to the world. I pray, Lord God, beyond any kind of inspiration that we would present with videos or with monologues, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts this morning, that there would be an evidence of the Holy Spirit by men and women being called to sacrifice for the sake of unreached people who do not know Jesus. I lift up today those who are Hindus in Tobago. I lift up those who are Buddhists, those who have not decided who they are, those who live for themselves and basically live for narcissism and materialism. I lift up those, Lord God, that today are isolated and broken. And God, as we prepare to go house to house, home to home, I ask that you would mobilize an army of knocking hands that would go door to door to take the gospel, Lord God, to Tobago. Father, I ask that you would do it among us on this sleepy Sunday morning with the fire of God burn in our bellies, that we would not only that we would have springs of life coming out that goes somewhere, that goes out, that takes the good news of the gospel to the whole world. We want to wait on the Holy Spirit so that we can go, so that we can make a measurable impact. And I ask today for Tobago, God. I lift up, Lord Jesus, those people. I ask, Lord God, for those churches and those pastors. And Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, that you would give us resources, both human resources and financial resources, Lord God, to take the gospel to people, real people. We don't want this to be a mysterious thing that just goes away. We want it to have tangible fruit that's obvious that we can see with our eyes, God. And we ask for it, Lord God. We ask, Lord G, I ask for willing hearts that are willing to sacrifice today, willing to forego movies and Chipotle and work extra jobs in order to set feet on foreign soil like apostles did and like missionaries of old have done and like people are doing today. God, we want to be a part of that great missionary enterprise that you've been doing for the last 2,000 years. So we volunteer our lives. We, we commit, we're all in, God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would push us out of our comfort zone this morning. I ask, Lord Jesus, that a high percentage of those sitting in this room, Lord God, would sacrificially go. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel 17. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, so, but we're going to read a lot of Bible here. Most of us are familiar with this. This is the famous story of David and Goliath. It's one of the uh, stories that we mostly think in terms of children's church, flannel grass, veggie tales, David in the big pickle. But <laughs> so funny. But far beyond being a children's story or an inspirational tale, this truly was a military conquest that was so vital for the people of Israel. And so I want us to lock in with a couple ideas from this, and and I want us to focus living, I'm going to call this message, run to the battle, 
living with a purpose, living on mission, living with a battle in mind, living, be, volunteering our lives for the Lord's battle. First chapter, First uh, Samuel seventeen, verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sakah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesus Danum between Sakah and Zakah. Do you want to cuss? Just read First Samuel seventeen. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So can you see that? You've got a valley here or you've got a valley here, one hill here, one hill here. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head uh, sorry, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a, co- a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung to his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and, and line up on the battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. And if I overcome him, I'm sorry, if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, he will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing for the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Saul says, send someone out. Many times they would do battle in these days in this way, because if you had a battle where everybody fought everyone, you decimated the army, many died, you know, you the combat, you know, hand-to-hand combat. And so they would say, you send out your best, we'll send out our best, and this is the way that we'll do battle. We'll do war this way. And I want you to lock in with this idea that, many, that the Israelites were filled with fear. When the Israelites saw the enemy, Goliath, they ran from him in great fear. Do you see that? They ran away from the enemy in great fear. Skip to verse 33. All right, so David uh, steps on the scene here in verse uh, verse 33. He comes out. We know the story. I'm just skipping forward this because we don't have much time this morning. But David comes out. He's the guy that says, I'll go fight the enemy, his brothers say, who do you think you are? You have just a few sheep back home. David was just bringing bread and cheese. And then David says, I'll do it. I'll go. And so then he volunteers to Saul. Saul's the king. Saul says to him, you're not able to go out against the Philistines and fight him for you're only a boy. So this young man says, everybody else is looking at the enemy and filled with fear. I know who my God is. I'll go. And then the response of the king. Older, wise man looks at the young man, says, you're only a boy. And he has been fighting from his youth. But David had a rebuttal. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Look at this. Struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, we're talking about a bear. I seized the bear By its hair, I struck it and killed it. Holy cabooses, Cornelius. Did you catch that? 
Saul says, wait a minute, it's nice that you have zeal for God in your heart. And you think that you can go defeat the enemy. We're running from the battle. You can't do this. And David says, I can do it. And let me give you the logic and the reason why. Because I've done it before. I've been by myself when a bear came and went after my sheep. And I took this hand, grabbed a bear by the hair. Took out my fist. Beat the bear. And killed it. I can do this. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. You feel the zeal? You feel the confidence? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Why? Because I want to show off that I'm a big deal? No, because I know that God has some promises. I know what God wants to do with our people. And I know that we're not supposed to live in fear to the Philistines. And I don't want to live in fear. And I've been in secret and had victories in secret. And so bring it on. I'll go. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He's come against God. And you get motive right there. You get David, the zeal for God in David's heart. Don't you dare. Don't you dare defy the armies of the living God. You feel it? David's not going, hey, I'm looking for an opportunity to show off my slingshot. I'm looking for an opportunity to demonstrate that I can beat giants. David says, this man has dared to defy the armies of the living God. Not on my watch. I know who my God is. The Lord who delivered me. Do you feel this? He doesn't say, have you seen me throw a rock? He says, the Lord. I just love that. The Lord, my God, whom I know. I know who he is. I know his personality. I know his plans. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So David goes out. He's about to face the giant. We're going to skip to verse 41 just due to time. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to him, which by the way, that's what your enemy does now. Sees a young person filled with boldness and strength and confidence in who their God is. And he comes out in a verbal attack. He has a verbal attack on the people of God. Then others often say, when you say, I'll go. They go, come on, you're only a boy. You going to jump on an airplane and go overseas and win Hindus to Christ? Come on. You make C's and D's and F's in high school. You really going to go reach people over in another nation? Come on, who do you think you are? And the enemy looks at you and goes, you know the things you struggle with. You know the temptations. You know the, sin, the secret sins that you have. No way. You're only a boy. You're only a girl. You're weak. Here's David. Looks at the battle, then enemy, you know, will do this to you. He'll say, how dare, I, you know, I've had strongholds over that nation for years. How dare you come and attack? Am I a dog? Look at this. He says to him, am I a dog that you come after me with sticks? And the Philistines 
cursed David by his, by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, and here it is. He talks about his God again. You come after me with sword and spear and javelin. You, you come after me with man's weapons. You come after me. You try to intimidate me. That's what the enemy's doing to you too. You try to intimidate me. You try to scoff at me. Brandon said it the other day. You come and lead lie to me. You're a liar. You come after me. That's what the enemy does to us too. You come after me with sword and spear and javelin. But let me tell you about my warfare. Let me tell you about what I have on my side. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And that ticks me off. You feel it? You defied it. This is the man. This is, this is God came upon me when I struck the lion and the bear. That wasn't David's skill set. That was God being with David. That was the Lord on David. David goes, you don't. I, 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 I'm, I've, I've surrendered my life to God. God's been upon me. I, I, I know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> and here we keep going. This day, look at this faith. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. This would be absurd if you saw a five foot, five and a half, blue eyed, blonde haired guy going up against a nine foot tall. I'm sure that the Jewish guy wasn't my size, but that's how I picture David going up against Goliath. And he says, this day. The Lord will hand, you, will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. Arr. Listen, this sermon doesn't really have a title. This is the title of this sermon. Arr. That's it. You don't have to remember English. Just remember this. Because the whole story of David is interior zeal that explodes and erupts in confidence in who his God is. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and all the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. That sounds like a global mission. The whole world. David's got a global worldview. He doesn't even have Google Maps, but he's got it in his heart. The whole world will know. The whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. This isn't your battle, little guy. That's what he's saying to Goliath. You don't intimidate me. You may be nine foot tall, have a javelin. But you don't intimidate me. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Man, this has filled with so much. You preach this for like... 40 weeks, but as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, look at that. So the Philistine attacks just like he does you. And David did something different. David did something different than run away from the battle. Like the other Israelites had the others. When they were intimidated, they ran from the battle. They ran from Goliath. But do you see what David does here? Look at this. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. 
Put your name in there. The enemy came and taunted Diego. Diego didn't run in fear. Diego ran toward the battle line. Put your name in there. You're in a real battle. There's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for if you're going to believe that what God has done in you this weekend is really real. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. And he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard after he had killed him. He's already dead. After he had killed him. He's, I mean, we're talking about an Israelite that has just killed him with a stone. And he's already dead. And what does David do? After he's dead. He's already dead. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. What absurdity. He's already dead. That's not a small head. That's a big old head. The dead man is already laying there. David's already won. David's not done yet. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. (laughs) Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sherem road to Gath and Ekron. When When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines... They plundered their camp. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He's going to take it with him. He didn't leave it there. He took the head of Goliath with him. Freaky guy. He's got some zeal in his heart. And he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tents. As David watched going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, O king, I do not know. The king said, find out who the, whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. With David still holding the Philistine's head. He threw it in his backpack or his... I don't think it fit in a satchel. That just sounds too cute, like a Ziploc bag. It's, he, he still got Goliath's head. What do we see? We got three things here. Number one, David was able to face Goliath. Not because in that moment, suddenly he had an epiphany. In secret, when nobody else was watching, David was singing worship songs to God, experiencing God come upon him as he protected sheep, having small victories and small battles in secret. The way that David was able to run to the battle and not from the battle and say, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? How dare you come against me? Was David had won some battles in secret when nobody else was looking. So when the battle came, David was confident in his God. 
One of the things for you to be able to stand and go door to door over with us in Trinidad and cast out demons and win people to Christ is when you've been praying and fasting and seeking God and spending time with him and choosing righteousness in secret so that when you're going door to door, toe to toe, and the enemy's saying, you can't do this. You're pathetic. You, you go, I know who my God is. And you've had some small victories. You got to have some small victories in secret before you have some big victories in public. But if you get some small victories in secret, you've gotten up earlier. You've prayed for people and seen them healed. Sometimes I hear kids say, I don't want to just pray for headaches. I go, no, no, no. We like praying for headaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to see big stuff. Get the small stuff first. So you have confidence that one day when you go, so pray for each other, like uh, praying for ankles and praying for, you know, for headaches and all that kind of stuff. Get confident. You've seen God do some of that stuff so that when there's an opportunity and someone goes, Hey, I need you to pray that my leg grows back. You go, no big deal. You know who my God is. I've seen him do stuff like this before. I got a big God and I've seen him do some things in secret. The problem is that most of us sin in secret and pray in public. But we got to pray in secret and so that we can have authority in prayer in public when we're standing door to door with people that need Jesus. And it's not so much about you. It's about what God needs to do and wants to do through you in the whole world. But he needs a volunteer army that rises up and says, I'll go. I'll do it. So as we leave here, I want to encourage you, train in secret. Get alone with God. It's what I was saying yesterday morning. Be with him. Spend time with him. Get some secret victories. And it's only you and God know. I mean, there's some ones to tell others, but there's some victories that it's just you and the Lord and you and he know. God, we prayed for that. I prayed for that and you did it. (sighs) When you stand, Ready to go. To go to a nation that's filled with Hinduism. That needs the light of the gospel. Some people go, oh, that's cute, you know. It's a missions trip. It's kind of nice. They go, it's only, you're only a boy. What can you do? What if we have the spirit of, I know who my God is. And I know that the enemy is taking out a nation how dare you defy the armies of the living God? Number two, run to the battle. I loved this phrase. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So verse 48, when David runs quickly to the battle, one of the ways that you'll see victory is if you live on the offense for the gospel. If you live on the attack. I've watched, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate, and I know I have lots of you guys ask me questions, why are you so passionate about, about campus ministries and starting prayer groups and all that? Because I know that if you live on the offensive, where you're trying to take out the enemy, it's one of the most strategic ways for you to stay in desperate need of God. If you sit back and chill, that's where the enemy wants you. Revelation 3 says Jesus calls that apathy puke, lukewarm. But if you live on the attack, you're dependent on God. 
if you live, I'm going to take out the enemy. Then you're going, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Those, those Israelites sitting on the back hill that watched David go out and defeat the enemy, that had lived in fear, they did not see have the miracle that God did through David through them because they lived in fear. But David saw victories for himself, for Israel, because he ran to the battle and he attacked. Sometimes I see young people, you've grown up with so much media that you treat ministry like you treat media. You go, all right, I'm going to sit back. I believe with my tongue and with my, with, with, with my thoughts, but I'm not going to go do and you skip back, you get like a remote control. And just like you would sit back and watch your flat screen. You go, you hear you do it, Pastor John. Let me watch you do it. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. Try to get me excited. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Try to get me excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, let, me, let me watch you do it. Let me sit back and let me watch 14 YouTube videos and see if I like it. And you just live on the couch. Live like a spiritual couch, but watching other people do, do ministry. Watching other people go for it. Because you've been trained by a culture to just sit back, watch. But it's only if you live on the offensive, if you run to the battle, that you'll see these miracles. That you'll be so dependent upon God. I can imagine what it'd be like to have, you know, the conversations of the Israelites as they watch David go and there's a valley, a hill, and they're sitting on this hill and they're looking over and they're just watching David go out and win the victory. Can you imagine the conversations of it that's he serves the God that we serve? Is he really no, he's gonna fight Goliath? Yes, he dude, that guy's not very big. Wait a minute, if he loses, we're going to have to go be enslaved to the Philistines? Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't know. Oh, man. And then David <laughs> kills Goliath. You can imagine in the hearts of those guys, something. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to be one of the guys on the sideline that goes, why didn't I jump into the battle? The Lord had so much for me. YOLO, you got one life. Why didn't I give all? Why didn't I give everything? Number one, train in secret. Number two, run to the battle. Run to the battle. If you run to the battle. See, I love, I love this idea because essentially he's picking a fight. Really? We're going to let the enemy continue to call out to us every day? Defy God and taunt us? No! It's that famous movie on Braveheart where Mel Gibson goes, I'm going to go pick a fight. I love that. That's what David's doing. He goes, no, you can't taunt us. You can't live in perpetual fear. No. 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 And then it took one young man that said, I'm going to go attack. I'm going to go fight. I'm going to go after it. 
there are some battles, not just Trinidad and Tobago. There are some battles that our generation, your generation is living in fear, being taunted by immorality, being taunted by perpetual fear, being taunted your school, living in a constant state of talking about other people and lust. And there needs to be some Davids that rise up and go, no, I'm going to go pick a fight. I'm going to pick a fight with immorality. I'm going to pick a fight with prayerlessness. I'm going to pick a fight with perpetual wasted time. Not on my watch. And a battle starts because you know how God wants things to be. And it is not so. So you go, I know who my God is. I've had victories in secret. And so walk with me. Come on, let's go. I'm going to go take him out. And go take out the enemy. Last one is this. Tell victory stories. Here's the reality. When David carried the head back to Jerusalem, took it to King Saul. In this time frame, kings would sit on their throne and they would make the heads of those enemies that they have defeated their footstool. I know it's gross. I can't imagine walking in and the king is sitting there with somebody's head at his footstool. But he, they would rest their feet on the head of the king that they had conquered. And it was a statement of, you rock. It was a statement of, I defeated them. That's why when we read in the Psalms, we read that all the time. Right? We read like in Psalm 110. I mean, we read about that all, all, the, the, all enemies will be a footstool for God. It's Israelite language for nobody compares to you. You crush all of them. So it sounds grotesque. But when David comes back with Goliath's head, it's not just that he's doing something weird. He's saying, I want all of Israel to remember, to know that this is the trophy of the day that God delivered us from the Philistines. And it lives, it's right here in my hand as a reminder. The dead man who's gone, once was alive, but I took him out. Why? Because he defied the armies of God and God came upon us. And may we never forget that God set us free from the Philistines. And I'm going to carry his head around, take it to the king, let it be in the palace to be the footstool. Why? To show off the victory of God, to show off what he did. Let me tell you this. You need Goliath heads in your bedroom. Not literally, figuratively. You need Goliath heads, stories that serve as reminders. This is what God did. This is a reminder of the thing that God did in my heart at retreat. This is a reminder. This is the story. And tell the stories. You need an arsenal full of stories. Where you go, this is what God did. And let me tell you this, in my own personal experience, you probably figured this out from Wednesday nights. I tell stories about what God's done on mission trips all the time because that's a moment where we go on the offensive and we go, we need God because we're going door to door today and we're hosed unless God shows up. When we go, when we've gone to India and we've gone to Thailand and we've gone to Tibet. It's all coming back with stories. This is what God did. 
When you've got stories, when you've got a story to tell, when you could come and the enemy comes to you and says, lie, 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 lie. And you go, no, I know what my God has done in the past. It's a part of my story. My story is filled with stories. I've got a satchel full of Goliath heads. I've seen God do stuff and I can't be moved. I can't be rocked. Everybody else may run in fear, but I've been in secret alone with God. I know that he's come upon me before. I know his presence is real. I'll bet David may have just kept a lion head in the bear head for a little while too. Why? To say, this is what God did. He's delivered me before. He'll deliver me again. And if you're confident that he'll deliver you, you'll be a worshiper of God like no other. And you'll be a confident deliverer of men. You'll be a confident deliverer of other people. Because you go, I got the stories. I know what he's done. I've got stories about when he's met me in the secret place and I've prayed and I've fasted. I know the dreams that he's given me. I know when he spoke to me prophetic words and I saw that that things start to happen. I've won other people to Jesus. I've seen them come to faith. I've prayed for other people and seen them healed. I've gone door to door and seen God do stuff. You can't shake me. I've watched Ben Poland go from easily shaken to God doing some stuff in his heart and his life. Trinidad last year. He, went, he, he leads someone to Christ by interpreting a dream. And what happens? It's a little Goliath head he's carrying around. I might be attacked, but I remember that moment where God helped me to interpret a dream and win someone to Christ. I, I'm confident that God's used me. You need these stories inside of you. And get them. Get these stories. Let me tell you, as you move to college and then you go to 20-somethings and 30-somethings, if you've got stories of God, victories in and through you, you will be confident to pick a fight, to run to the battle. You won't want to waste your life living for yourself. You go, how boring. How dull. And it's what everybody's doing. It's what everybody's living for themselves. Let's get more wealth. Let's get more comfort. You've got some God stories inside of you, some stories in your past, some stories of what God's done. When the enemy comes against you, and he will, it just doesn't get easier when you're 25. It doesn't get easier when you're 35, 45. But the more stories that you've got, the more things you can pull out of your arsenal and go, I know my, I know who he is. I know. David was not confident because he was a tough guy. Even a tough guy couldn't stand a chance against a giant, a champion. David was confident because God had helped him when no one else was looking. He had some victory stories in secret. And he had confidence in God. Listen, one of the things that we often do is we often say, well, I just don't have stories like you do. And God hasn't done with me what God's done with you. That's my temptation to do that. Sometimes I hear preachers tell stories and do some things or missionaries. I think, well, God doesn't talk to me like he does you. It's a lie of the enemy. The enemy's coming in and trying to get you just to have an excuse to live apathetic. That's what he's trying to do to me too. Happens to me all the time. But listen, if in secret you encounter God, you come and you have some small victories. And small victories aren't killing lions and bears right now. You know what your lions and bears are? getting along with God and praying, seeking his face, 
refusing not to slander the person that's slandering you. Reading the Sermon on the Mount and just choosing to give sacrificially rather than living for self. Seeking God. Then you'll get these small victories. I mean, really small victories, but you can have confidence that God will give you more stories, more stories, more stories. I know, I know that one of the reasons why I was, I saw God do things in high school was because I saw God do things in junior high. The stories of junior high gave me great strength to just go reckless in high school. High school gave me strength to just go crazy in college. That's how we get to live as Christians. We build on the stories of the past. We keep going, God just keeps doing stuff. And the enemy will come and say, but... This, 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 this light, this light, you're not this, but you're so, and fill in the blank, whatever, you're so filled with lust, or you're so small, or so weak, or you've never seen things, and inside of you, you go, no, no, you can't win by lying to me, because I've got too much truth in my heart and my head to lose. I want us to pray together. We stand your feet, you can stay in your seats today. I'd like everybody in the room just to hold out your hands just like this. Father, as David looked at the enemy and said, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Father, we say we want the whole world to know there is a God in Israel. There is a covenant God who walks with his covenant people, who talks and works with through his people. And we're your people, God. We're your people today. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give each man and each woman here strength to run to a battle. Pray that you would help them. Pray that you would strengthen them. We want to run, Lord God, with all that we have. We don't want to walk. We don't want to sit on the hillside and watch other Davids attack the enemy. Living in fear. No, we want to have courage, confidence in God, zeal for God in our hearts. Pray, Lord Jesus, that in a tangible way, you would perk the heart of many, Lord God, to go to get the stories of winning others to Christ in another nation. To get the stories of sacrificing lazy days of summer, lazy days of just hanging out, watching movies and playing video games, to sacrificing and working and then, and then going and reaping a reward. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a fresh work in us today. Jesus, we love you seal on our hearts the things you've done this weekend. I pray that last night would be a story in the arsenal of every man and woman here, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that those, Lord, that spoke in tongues, Lord God, that you would strengthen them, that that story would be alive in them and they wouldn't look back and say, I don't know. To be a small victory in secret, God. Jesus, send us out as warriors. Send us out. Missionary zeal to take the gospel.
love you, Jesus. Have your way, we pray, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.